Dictionary.org podcast coming your way, episode 574. Today we're going to talk about oxytocin, the link to psychopathy, safe or dangerous. So this one, um, it's a 30-minute show, but we got a lot to cover on this. So oxytocin, first off, um, you can access it today as a peptide. You can mix it and you can inject it just like you would with human growth hormone or any other peptide, HCG, any any of these other popular peptides that people are taking. And it's got some benefits. And we're going to go over this. Um, So first, let's kind of talk about the history behind oxytocin, where it came from. So British pharmacologist Henry Hallett Dale in 1906 actually discovered it. And its milk ejection property was described by Ott and Scott in 1910 and by Schaefer and McKenzie in 1911. So this stuff has been being studied for a long time. During the 1920s, oxytocin was isolated from pituitary tissue and given their current names. Now, the molecular structure of oxytocin was determined finally in 1952. And then in the early 1950s, American biochemist Vincent Du Vignode found that oxytocin is made up of nine amino acids, and he identified its amino acid sequence, the first polypeptide hormone to be sequenced. In 53, he carried out the synthesis of oxytocin, and it became the first polypeptide hormone to be synthesized. In 1955, he was awarded the Nobel Prize for his work, and that's a very, very um important prize given in the scientific community. If you get a Nobel Prize, that's a huge, huge honor to get that. So um, that's a really hard one to win. So that was an excellent job on his part to earn that um, for sure. So there's been some different synthetic roots for oxytocin. There's been analogs of the hormone um, over the next decade and by different scientists. And we know that Extrogen has been found to increase secretion of oxytocin and to increase the expression of its receptor, the oxytocin receptor in the brain. In women, a single dose of estradiol has been found to be sufficient to increase circulating oxytocin concentrations. So we see this when it comes to the um, how it plays a role in maternal behavior and bonding between mother and child in non-human animal in uh, non non-human mammals. So it's called basically monster the hormone of love because it's also released during sex in humans, and it's theorized the oxytocin may help us from social form social bonds and may also make social interactions more rewarding and enjoyable. And studies show that people who maintain oxytocin levels during negative emotions were less likely to report interpersonal problems. And uh, it can be theories that oxytocin can help improve sex, sociability, and mood. So we're going to kind of go over the common uses for oxytocin and why some guys and gals out there are buying this peptide and using this peptide to improve their lives. So first we got to kind of, I'm going to bring in monster this. We're going to first talk about how oxytocin can be linked to psychopathy. So psychopathy, you know, we've heard of this in the past with serial killers and stuff, how they're psychopaths, yada, yada, yada. So psychopathy, it's a disorder characterized in part by shallow emotional responses, lack of empathy, impulsivity, and an increased likelihood for antisocial behavior. 
So we see this with serial killers. They start out usually, um, you know, they grow up in an abusive household. They have mommy issues. The mom abandons them. The dad abuses them. A stepdad abuses them. They start out with torturing animals and they start out with, you know, doing stuff like that. And it kind of evolves into, into this type of behavior. So the link between oxytocin and psychopathy um, could be there um, when it comes to helping people with that. So we're going to get into that in this podcast, but I'll bring in Mobster first um, to, uh, to kind of go over that. Yes, David, it's, it's one of those fascinating subjects for us sometimes. People are fascinated by the whole serial killer vibe. And I've actually said um, the reason why we're fascinated is it's almost impossible for the great and vast majority of us to understand exactly why a person like that thinks the way they think. Okay. So obviously, if Steve's mentioned the dates, when you think about the dates, Steve, that's going back quite some time. So in terms of them being able to isolate the hormone and discover its existence, that's been close to 100 years. But in terms of what it does and the connection, so one of the great examples, again, with a serial killer vibe or even sociopathic and psychopathic behavior, sometimes it's head trauma. And the argument, and you know, pituitary gland up there in the neck and whatever else. So you've got this thing sometimes, look, if we're talking about bodybuilding and performance enhancement, we ask ourselves sometimes why certain physiques look the way that they do. And we talk about genetics and great genetics and so on and so forth. And it's things like the body's ability to, you know, facilitate performance enhancing drugs, the body facilitate the uptake of protein to, to resist to resist and respond positively to training and so on and so forth. So it's a fascinating subject when you start to get into the chemicals that influence human behavior and you say, right, so why is a psychopath? Is it literally that they're not producing this hormone? Is it that there's some sort of damage to the pituitary gland that makes people giants and so on and so forth? Why is that person tall? Why is that person wide? That, why is that man or woman stronger than me? Why is that guy over there with a chainsaw burying people out in the forest? You know, it's kind of fucked up thinking, but it's a fascinating subject to think about. And if it came down to literally just a lack of a hormone from a purely sort of societal protecting ourselves from the, the crazy person in the closet kind of vibe from a horror movie, the ability to give them a hormone that we can actually produce, we can go online and buy this peptide, it's fascinating. What's also interesting, and Steve and I talked about this in the pre-show, is the idea, and again, it's probably because Steve and I are slightly older than the majority of our listeners. Um, it's fascinating for me, in a kind of skewed way of thinking, that you know, some of our listeners, for example, enhance Valentine's Night or the loving relationship. I, I, I'm of the generation, Steve, when XTC came out. So the whole XTC thing was that you went to a disco or nightclub or whatever, rave, obviously, and you enhanced the whole experience of being there and feeling loved and having a great time with all these other people by taking ecstasy. So everybody was cuddling, everybody was friendly, no one was fighting. It was an amazing evening and you all felt connected to each other. And that was just with ecstasy. So oxytocin ends up enhancing in the normal person who's already producing a certain percentage of this hormone, this peptide, enhances that so again if you're in a loving relationship the idea that you can have an absolutely amazing weekend away or a fantastic night or an amazing valentine's is cut somehow enhanced on the flip side of that which steve and i discussed and again this is arguably sociopathic psychopathic behavior steve you know you get into the perhaps your 
creating an artificial situation. It's beneficial when you're talking about someone with a medical issue, right, a psychopath, a, psych- a psychiatric medical issue versus someone who's perfectly normal, has perfectly normal responses, emotional responses and behavior, et cetera, et cetera, then feels the need to somehow enhance that. And that might be a societal thing. It might just be a generational thing. People have been taking drugs for thousands of years to enhance their night, their day, their mood, their whatever else. And perhaps it's just because my lack of familiarity and never needing necessarily as a person that's doing this podcast to beyond a few beers on a night out to go out and somehow and enhance my experience by taking drugs. And yet, as I say, historically speaking, Steve, just in human society, pretty much from the very first time that society came to be recognized as society, mankind, womankind has been using drugs to enhance sometimes their connection within society. And it, and, and so it's a fascinating subject to go backwards and forwards. And again, for those of you that are interested in that and want to enhance that, this availability, the peptide is out there for people to use. So it's not for necessarily for me to judge whether you should or you shouldn't. I have my own particular thoughts on that subject, but it's fascinating nevertheless. And like I said, how many documentaries are there, Steve, on, on the whole sociopath, psychopathic, serial killer type behavior? And, and I said the great discussion, which is very, very difficult for most people to do, is to try to work out why they did what they did, why they are the way that they are. And it's, it's very hard because literally your brain isn't wired that way. You have, listen, this is not an insult. You have a normal brain. Most of our listeners are perfectly normal, full, right in the middle of the spectrum, et cetera, et cetera, have the same hormonal, chemical, peptide response to all these kind of situations. There might be an argument, Steve, to be made. And again, this perhaps is where this could be enhancing for some people that sometimes because of um, social media, modern society, we sometimes feel that we're missing out on certain experiences or that perhaps, you know, the, the relationship could be better and so on and so forth. And this is the reason why perhaps this might be of interest to people like that are looking for that little wedge, looking for something like that. And 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 if any of us, and I'm including myself, have ever had that properly loved up once in a lifetime kind of experience and know just how amazing that can be and obviously sad when it finishes, then, then you can only turn around and say, well, if you could have that more often, uh, perhaps extend it you know, longer with the same person and so on and so forth. But I can see the attraction, Steve. I'm not necessarily thinking that I'm going to go out and buy some myself, but I can see the attraction. What do you think on that? So, I mean, you got to separate you know, ecstasy versus oxytocin. Oxytocin is naturally produced in the body. Then you can take the peptide, which is you know, obviously made. It's a synthesized powdered version. You mix it. And you inject it. So you're getting more of it put in your body. Ecstasy is made from a bunch of toxic chemicals. Originally, it was made by a drug company. Merck actually was the first one to come up with ecstasy many years ago, about 100 years ago. But since then, now, where do you get ecstasy? It's from guy, some guy in a trailer mixing up a bunch of explosive and, and dangerous chemicals. Okay, And then he distributes it. And that's how ecstasy is is uh, produced today and given to people for clubbing and all that stuff. So if you want to choose between oxytocin and ecstasy, obviously you want to go with oxytocin, you know, <laughs> because it's a natural, it's at least naturally found in the body, right? So if you're going to ha- want that fe- feel good effect, go with oxytocin. That's the beauty of these peptides. And that's why that, you know, we talk about them and that's why they're out there. Go ahead, Mom. So you wanted to jump in? Let's get yeah, into I just, I just, I, I, 
I'm just thinking about this, funny enough, and there's an antidepressive active, uh, uh, aspect to this particular peptide, which I'm fascinated by, Steve. Uh, you and I have mentioned on previous shows that we own cats. Both of us own cats. I've got four, I think. Uh, Steve Smith's got at least one, possibly two. And ironically, one of the other fellas that does podcasts on Evo is uh, Dylan Gomez. Uh, Dylan, he's also got at least one. Moo Moo, if I remember rightly, Steve. And one of the things that's interesting for me is that it, is the hormone, oxytocin, the peptide, is produced by the body when you cuddle your pets. In the same way that when we pick up children and they settle down and they're half asleep and you kind of feel good about it, so on and so forth. There's an antidepressive feel-good aspect to that. And Steve's quite correct. The difference between something that's chemically produced, for example, you don't produce cocaine in your body, it's you high as fuck. Whereas a hormone or a peptide that's produced in your body that's naturally already there, you're only adding to it. We can say the same thing because we do multiple podcasts on testosterone, Steve. And of course, we're talking about artificial testosterone versus natural, but ultimately, hormone is already existence in our body. So that's why we do these performance enhancing uh, podcasts. So I'm fascinated by the, the idea. I mean, this is something that's a, 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 probably a different subject, but very briefly. Things that we do, one of the things that we do, and most of our listeners will do the same, Steve, is a lot of our listeners will have pets, like I've just talked about. They'll go out for walks in the country. They will read a book quietly. They have elements in their life, hopefully, of what we call now mindfulness, where they take five minutes out of the day to chill, listen to nice music. And, of course, what do so many of our listeners do? And it has an antidepressive action, and there's an aspect of feeling good about it, positive, especially when it's positive. Steve, as we go to the fucking gym, and we lift weights and we try to feel good about lifting weights because we've done something good for us. We eat healthily because it's good for us. And so we're talking about enhancing those aspects. And I said to Steve in the pre-show, I said, it's weird for me to think about taking a drug that enhances the sensation of feeling in love. But ultimately, we're perfectly comfortable with the idea of taking a performance enhancing drugs that enable us to lift great weights and look more muscular, et cetera, in a gym. So we shouldn't be too uncomfortable with the idea of discussing a, a love drug, so to speak. And again, naturally produce. Steve and I stroke our cats, give them illegals, give them a treat, and we feel good because we have that. People sometimes that don't have pets are more likely to be depressed. And funny enough, arguably, have actually recommended it. And seen this actually done, Steve, where literally a, a, a psychiatrist or a doctor says, Get yourself a pet, get yourself a gerbil, get yourself a hamster. Literally, the act of looking after something else gives you a connection. And I've actually done this, I believe, funny enough, in mental hospitals, or psychiatric hospitals, Steve, where, you know, suddenly the patients calm down and, and they're more chilled and more relaxed, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, you have to keep an eye on them. But uh, when they've got pets, when they have a pigeon or something to look after. So it's interesting that that stuff out there and your body's producing this very peptide just because of that. So it's fascinating in that particular way. Something that we talked about a little bit in the pre-show, which I'm not entirely sure what the connection is here, Steve, but was slightly off topic, slightly off topic, is the idea that this might help you with what's called muscle aging. Now, I'm going to take a guess here, and I'll let Steve jump back in. When we train, we're obviously causing trauma to our muscle and how the muscle responds with the thickening of fibers, the splitting of fibers, the breaking and then replacing them and rebuilding of muscle fibers is what makes muscles grow. It gives us quote unquote tone. It makes the muscle feel firmer. And then obviously at some point we're also hopefully losing body fat so that we can see more of the muscle and so on and so forth. 
So there's an, and then we get the whole muscle fiber type, fast, slow, and so on and so forth. The muscle aging thing, as best I can possibly guess, Steve, is literally that as we train, but also as we age through life, the way that our muscles respond, now I'm talking about people that don't train as well as those who train, ages us. And there's a great argument to be made that if you train, you actually decrease your chronological age. We are, let's say that we're 50 years of age, Steve, but our muscles, because we work out, are 40. And what does that mean? It means they've taken an average person who's 40, 50, 60, and so on and so forth, done muscle biopsies, looked at those muscles and said, this is the muscle fiber of a 40-year-old, this is the muscle fiber of a 50-year-old, and so on. But these are all individuals who do not train. Because Steve and I train, because our listeners, you, the people listening to this podcast right now, train, your muscle fibers should be younger in terms of the muscular makeup, muscle fiber breakdown, and so on and so forth. So one of the potential uh, benefits of oxytocin is the idea that it decreases that muscle fiber aging. What do you think on that, Steve? I would think in that situation, you want to stack it with other peptides. Uh, maybe stack it with HGH, stack it with the GHRPs, stack it with the GHRH different peptides, you know, that, that have that effect on the muscles. And that's where it would kind of go in your favor. So it'd be something you could add to your existing peptide stack. And I think that that would uh, lead you into the right direction. So, and you know, the benefits of oxytocin, none of them have been, you know, approved. Uh, the FDA has not approved any of them for treating these disorders, but we're going to go over them. Um, general sex and sexual dysfunction, both men and women, Men who have issues with intimacy, female sexual dysfunction or FSD, which is intimacy, arousal, and orgasm, addiction, recovery from alcohol and opiates, and mood, you know, depression, anxiety issues. So maybe, just maybe, taking some oxytocin, you know, will, if you have any of these issues, maybe taking it can, can help that, can reverse that. And if it does, then you know, wow, I'm not producing oxytocin. Wouldn't that be amazing? I'm not producing enough oxytocin. Just like people who don't produce enough growth hormone in their body. They have a harder time recovering. They age a lot quicker, et cetera, et cetera. And then they take HGH. They take a proper dose of HGH. And then a lot of those issues resolve themselves. Not all, but a lot of them do. Or, or you have low testosterone levels, you know. And then you take testosterone, you go on testosterone replacement therapy, and you're like, boom, wow, a lot of my issues have been resolved. Again, not everything, but a lot of them. So this could be an issue. So if you have any of these issues, you know, you know, you, your wife, whatever, your husband, this could be uh, worth a shot to take oxytocin. And it seems to be a much more safer option than going and becoming a drug addict and having to take harmful drugs, toxic drugs to uh to cure you know these types of issues so when it comes to um addiction um you know uh neuro neuropeptides oxytocin you know can affect the central nervous system it can affect processes related to opiate ethanol and cocaine addiction and um oxytocin it's created in the brain released in both the posterior pituitary as we discussed and the central nervous system so Oxytocin within your central nervous system has been shown to prevent the development of morphine and ethanol tolerance. So there was a study done on mice 
it was shown to reduce the symptoms of morphine withdrawal. So that's really cool stuff. Um, and that could be something for you if you're trying to get through your addiction withdrawals. That might be an option for you. Um, and there's all kinds of addictions out there. I mean, there's sugar addiction. Um, we had a guy on the forum post about a sugar addiction. There's a lot of you out there, you might be addicted to nicotine. You can't stop smoking a cigarette. You've reduced, you've reduced it for maybe a couple smokes a day, you know, a couple cigarettes a day, but you can't get away from it. Maybe oxytocin can can help you. Maybe. Again, it's not FDA approved for that purpose, but maybe you can get that effect from the oxytocin, which will help you stop using the, uh, you know, all these different types of harmful things that you're putting in your body. Um, and then there's oxytocin for hypoactive sexual desire disorder, HSDD. And um, because it's been traditionally used to facilitate child labor, prevent post-delivery hemorrhaging, and help initiate or increase lactation. There has been a, an interest in using it for HSDD and female sexual dysfunction, FSD, as we discussed earlier, um, which is connected to intimacy, erosion, orgasm. Are you a female, or if your wife's a female, that has trouble with arousal orgasm? Maybe it's not you. Maybe she's just lacking oxytocin, and maybe giving oxytocin can kind of get her over that barrier and maybe yeah. change that. Or you could be just she could just not be into you anymore. <laughs> you know yeah, what I'm saying? Exactly. <laughs> it, may not, it might not magically get yeah, exactly. But if it's I, I not wanna I want to jump in with a second, Steve. Yeah. Steve. Steve and uh, Ricky V back in the day did some great podcasts where where the listeners had, had sent in sort of uh, relationship problems. And, and and again, our average listener is going to be to the younger side, Steve, 18, 19, 23, 24, 25 years of age, a little bit older but not maybe 50 plus like I am, you know what I mean? So when you've had a little bit of life or whatever else, you see things perhaps more clearly, whereas when you're younger, of course, you lack the experience. So an obvious thing, and this is this this is a whole sort of re relationship, you can't make someone love you with a drug. You just can't, right? And, and you can't force someone to be sexually aroused. That You know, if you're hideous and they just not into you, as Steve says, all joking aside, it's not going to work. You know, suddenly become attractive because you took a drug or a peptide or whatever. On the other hand, there is an argument to be made, and of course, this, this is actually produced by the body when you are idiots, when you are connected, when you are in a relationship. There are, and Steve's done this on the previous uh, previous uh, relationship type shows. We've talked about this. We talked about the honeymoon period. We said, you know, there's there's times when it's fire. You can't leave each other alone. There's times when, when you're super busy and stressed at work and there's no way. Your sexual arousal is not linear. It goes up and down. If you're more relaxed and chilled and more likely to be having sex and, and feel connected and loved on holiday because you're relaxed because you're away from work. You're more likely to feel the same again if the kids are over at nannies for the evening because you haven't got to worry about what the kids are doing and so on and so forth, right? So there's an element also, Steve, and I touched on this a little bit earlier on, where... And TV shows, social media, movies, they create sometimes this view in our own minds. And we're, we're all sort of, you know, occasionally we, we were affected by these things, whether it's a fantastic photograph or a supermodel or an actress in a, a, on the front page of a magazine or, you know, a fantastic scene in the movie that looks amazing and 
her and the other actor are doing absolutely great job of looking like they're in love, et cetera, et cetera. And you're, you hold that up to yourself. Sexually, you do the same. Right. So this idea that, you know, this is how I'm supposed to feel all the time. No, Stephen, I've touched on this. You said if if we was, quote unquote, as badly in love as it's possible to be, it becomes almost impossible to function and do all the normal stuff. You literally have to have human nature get in the way to enable you to go to work, to enable you to feed, to enable you just to go to the toilet, Steve. Come with me, my darling. I can't be without you. It would be absolutely ridiculous. So sometimes there's an element of the with these things that we hold ourselves up. And this is the, the mental aspect. When it comes to hypo, not hyper, sexual activity, what do they mean? They mean essentially a lack of desire or a, a very small amount of desire. Hyper, of course, is the other way around. You're constantly aroused too much, in fact. Uh, the sexual addiction stuff, the porn addiction, and so on and so forth, in terms of that aspect. And as I said, it would be the sort of, it's like, if you like, it's like being completely indifferent, Steve, versus, you know, not wanting to let go of them, that kind of situation. So it's, an, it, it, and, and again, if you do, you are in a relationship and there is nothing else that matter with it. There's that, you know, the, the house is great, the relationship otherwise outside of the bedroom is great. You know, they don't piss me off, et cetera, et cetera. I just can't understand why I don't feel this particular way. There might be a depression, there might be, other issues, there might be stuff outside, you might be dealing with death in the family and so on and so forth. And sometimes you get the patterns behavior, just routine, where, you know, for whatever reason, the relationship isn't as good as it should be. And as good, and here's the thing again, Steve, especially if you both sat down and had this conversation, as good as you both want it to be. And then whether it's a facility thing, not being able to have kids, whatever. And if you both agree then i could see that there'd be a great opportunity here for this to allow you to perhaps reconnect to go away for the weekend take something like oxytocin and say just let's lit everything back up steve everything is it's not going to be absolutely amazing like the honeymoon period but i feel that much more connected i feel much more there's something missing and it was just a chemical thing. And as an example, Steve, and funny enough, it's not mentioned in the articles that you and I are referring to, but the, the menopause can come at any time in a woman's life. We're talking about malmenopause with regards to low testosterone levels affecting younger and younger people under 35. And we're seeing the same thing happening with women. It used to be that you got to middle-aged ladies and boom, menopause kicked in 40, 50 years of age. Suddenly, you, you know, skin wasn't as soft. So, so I'll give well, you, yeah. I'll give you a study. This is from 2007. Um, they studied women um, when it comes to the sexual health. So uh, they did an analysis of women with sexual dysfunction. So 64% of those women experienced difficulties with desire, 31% with arousal, and 35% with orgasm. So if you're listening to this, and you're like, wow, you know, my wife has issues. I mean, you're not alone. Or if you're listening to this, and you're saying I have issues. You're not alone. And men have just as many sexual dysfunctions, trust me. Um, especially like Mobster mentioned earlier with all the porn, the young guys and the porn. Um, they grew up on this stuff. There's kids 10, 11, 12 years old in middle school who can pull up porn, porn on their phone, their iPhone. And their parents, I, I don't know, their parents are in la-la land. Their parents are more worried about their careers than they are taking care of their kids. But that's a whole other debate for another uh, topic. But what happens is your kids get a hold of porn when they're 10, 11 years old, and they that's in their brain going forward. And they're not going to be able to – it's a, it's an addiction. 
And then they end up with sexual desires. They end up not wanting to have sex with real women. They rather just pull it up on their phone. And then that's what happens um, with these sexual. So a lot of this isn't the person's fault. It's just a product of our modern society and where we become. It used to be guys were horny like 24-7 because it was hard for them to get, get laid. They had to court a woman. They had to marry her just to have sex. So they were getting married at 20 years old. Now you can just pull up a dating app and it's like ordering food right to your door. You can order a freaking um, slut off of uh, one of those dating apps and she'll come over and bang you, you know, for free. Net Netflix and chill, it's called, you know. So how can we not expect to have sexual dysfunctions when that happens? So to shake yourself out of that, you end up getting married and then she's got sexual dysfunctions. You've got sexual dysfunctions. It becomes a real problem. And um, so maybe this oxytocin can be can can help in this situation. So let me explain how to dose it. And I'll let Master finish out with his final thoughts. So there's uh, oxytocin is really, really cheap. Um, you can buy like a month's worth of it. It's not expensive at all. All right. Um, you can come on the forums, evolution.org. Several of our sponsors on the forum, our approved sources, have oxytocin. Um, I've seen two different ways that they're selling it through a spray and through actually, you know, mixing the peptide and injecting it. So with the spray, you basically want to use 24 IUs per day. And then with the, in, with the injection, it comes in a five milligram vial, for example. Um, I didn't look at every sponsor to see, but I'll give you an example. A common way to do it is five milligrams. So then you mix it with backwater or sterile water, make sure you keep it in the fridge before and after. And then you want to just inject a little bit of it. When it comes to peptides, the idea is to get it in your system, but you don't want to get it in your system too fast, or you could deal with un, un, unwanted side effects. So I would go with maybe half a milligram, start out with that, and then a day and see how you do on it, or not even that, maybe a quarter milligram of, of it a day. So um, and then you kind of work your way up from there and see how you do on it. And um, that would be the different ways to do it. Um, in terms, you know, uh, I don't know, Mobster, you have anything else you want to add to this? So, I mean, look, at the end of the day, peptides are naturally found in the body. There are some side effects. Um, if you take too much of it, you know, you can get some irritation at the injection site. Appetite can change. Nausea, vomiting, cramping, stomach issues. Um, you know, more intense or frequent contractions when it comes to women who are in childbirth, obviously. So I just want to left that out. Obviously, none of you listening to this are in childbirth. Don't, don't use oxytocin when you're pregnant or, or anything like that. You want to definitely, you know, have a doctor helping you with that, obviously. And then things like runny nose and stuff like that. So if you get any of these side effects, you need to just, you know, chill chill when, when when you're taking it you're probably running too much again with these peptides i'm gonna explain this again so people understand the idea behind peptides is you're getting in more of what your body produces it's just like taking hgh you're getting more than what your body produces but if you take too much you're gonna get side effects so the idea is you want to get in the proper dose okay and a proper dose that doesn't give you side effects that gives you the results you want without the side effects It'd be just like taking too much HGH and then getting carpal tunnel syndrome. Well, you took too much HGH. 
So that's that's your problem. If you run HGH properly, you won't get carpal tunnel syndrome. So that's that's basically how to use it. So check it out, guys. Do guys and gals out there do some research on it, and uh, check out our sponsors. They have them. So mobster, final thoughts before disclaimer. Yeah, Steve. So listen, and Steve's covered this as I say on other shows. So much of what we do when it comes to relationships, and specifically sexual desire, Steve, is hugely mental. Okay, so it's what you think versus necessarily anything else. It's how you feel versus something else. And 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 we we surprise ourselves sometimes, Steve, by just how hormonal or peptide driven we are. We forget. We'll say it for an animal, we'll say it for a cat, we'll say it for a dog, but we don't say it for ourselves, and yet we are, okay? Here's a situation in which I could see myself perhaps discussing this. I was in a relationship, and, and, and I would sit down with my partner, and I would discuss, shall we enhance the pleasure? Shall we try something different? Shall we give this a go? And if the experience was amazingly positive, Steve, then I could see it an absolute fantastic benefit. I can definitely see the benefit when we're talking about psychopathy in terms of treating depression, in terms of treating people with those particular orders. And again, it shows you just how chemically peptide, hormonally driven we are. So there you go, guys. One last thought. And this is just, it's kind of almost a gold seal for some people. I would imagine, and I'm just looking at the way that these, these, these things are worded, Steve, if you have normal levels and you enhance your normal levels versus perhaps lower levels and then enhance them with oxytocin, the bonus here, Steve, is, quote, unquote, the increase in the pleasure at orgasm. Now, that's probably the big seller for more than anything else that we could positively have said on this uh, podcast about this particular subject. So there you go, guys. Listen, do your research. Make sure you buy it from an approved source. Make sure the dosages are not crazy. And don't do anything stupid like giving it to someone without telling them or whatever else, okay? So definitely sit down and have those conversations. That's how relationships work. It's actually a fantastic thing to do anyway, and it's a pain in your ass, Steve, sometimes, but sometimes you have to get through these things in order for your relationship to move on. And then if something like oxytocin can then take it to another level and enhance it. Please note, we are not doctors and the opinions are ours. It's our view and based on our experience and views on the topic. A podcast of informational purposes is entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.